Ag State of Mind, episode 24. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now, here's your host, Jason Meadows. Today on the show, we have Kylie Epperson. Kylie is one half of the Midwest FarmWise podcast. She is another fellow Missourian. She is up near Vandalia, Missouri. She is on a pretty good scale hog and row crop operation. Um, her and her husband, Jordan, are running that together along with their family. Um, I actually got to meet Kylie a few weeks ago at Commodity Classic. Uh, she was uh, she was very nice and able to give me a t-shirt for my wife. And Kylie, I really appreciate that. That was really cool of you. Just to kind of clear the air here, when uh, we recorded this episode, it was actually in, I believe it was in January, because you'll notice that I mentioned I speak of NCBA like it was something that's going to happen in the future, and at that time it was, but getting all the recordings kind of together, um, Kylie's episode didn't come out until about a little over a month after we re actually recorded it, so uh, just so if in case there's any confusion there, so uh, again, we are continuing our series on Missouri podcasters and producers and influencers here with uh, on my friend Kylie Epperson. All right, Kylie, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm great. How about yourself? Great. Thanks. Thanks for coming on and taking the time here. I know we had to do a little bit of rescheduling and uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate you being flexible with me. That's what farming's all about, flexibility, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, you know, last week I had two podcasts scheduled for a couple of people, and within five minutes of one another, each of them called me and said they had something go wrong on the farm. And, you know, when when you deal with people in ag, you just kind of expect that, or or you can sure be forgiving because everyone knows what it's like. So I feel like that's a that's a good thing when, you, when you're doing a podcast dealing with people in ag. Yeah, ag... Is just its own unique industry and there's so many things that we would do differently than any other industry and definitely being forgiving on time commitment that is one of those things yep yep absolutely so if you don't mind would you would you give me just a little bit of background um, where you live what you do and uh, we'll go from there yeah great well, I'm Kylie Epperson. I'm from Vandalia, Missouri. Uh, I married my husband. We were high school sweethearts. I did not grow up on a farm. So I didn't, I had an ag background. You know, we live in a rural community, but when I married my husband, he'd been a farmer since I think he's the fifth generation farmer of his family. So married into that, I got my degree as a teacher. So I'm actually a certified high school history teacher. I taught for a year and in that year, we decided on our farm that we were gonna expand our hog operation. So we are row crop farmers, we farm corn and soybeans, and then we also, my in-laws have been raising hogs since the 70s, and then on a commercial scale since the 90s. So fast forward, was teaching for a year, Jordan said, hey, we're gonna to have to hire someone to come back and do the books. And you know, it had always been in the plans, maybe five years after we got married, I thought maybe I'd come back to the farm, raise our kids, kind of do that thing like his mother had done. 
But you know, one year in, I'm like, dang, I spent a lot of money on college (laughs) to, you know, not use my degrees, but definitely paid off in the long run. So it made sense for us to not pay someone and for me to take over and really understand that business and just jump, you know, feet first into this ag world. I mean, I, I knew what was going on, but oh man, not as much as when I came back to do the book work. So in the meantime of building the new sow unit, we also had our first child, Rhett. He is now four, which seems like it was just yesterday. He was a baby. Sow unit's up and running. We're row crop farming. Everything's going really pretty good. Crop prices over the last five years, crop yields in our area have been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Crop prices haven't been horrible until recently. Right. You know, I really got a good taste of what farming was pretty, I mean, it was, it's been a good ride. It's been a good ride. Yeah. Yeah. You can get, I mean, it doesn't take long for you to just to really find out um, what's going on. Uh, sometimes it can just come and pop you right in the face. <laughs> um, I, we have that. So in 2000, you know, 15, 16, 17, those years went by really quickly. We had an, our ne- next daughter two years after our first son was born and her name is Reese. And so we're two kids in, everything's going pretty well. And in 2018, in May, our brand new, well, it was relatively new, four years old, sow unit. Um, So to scale that, it's 5,600 sows producing about 150,000 pigs. If I did that math right in my head, I should know that off the top of my head. Anyways, (laughs) it burnt down to the ground, completely gone. So that spring lake, that's what it was called. It was my baby. Like I came back, I quit my career. I don't know if you can call one year of teaching a career, but that's what I call it. Mm -hmm. Well, you spent however long you were in college preparing for it. I mean, that was what, so it's not like you just taught for a year. I mean, your whole mindset just kind of shifted. Right. Yeah. So all of a sudden here it is completely flattened all this hard work. I mean, I had been in it. I walked to the ground with my family we all put so much energy and money and time and just thoughts and care into building this unit and making it what it was. And we'd had some health issues and really had, we're coming out of it strong. Boom, burns down in 2018. In that summer of that year, about three weeks later, we were heading into a drought in our crop, row crops. I mean, we had, had not had rain for three weeks. It had been one of the hottest Mays on record. Mm-hmm. And, um, we had one of our truck drivers flip a semi <laughs> and he got airlifted. I'm only laughing because it's like, just so ironic how quickly everything hit yep. at the same mm-hmm. time. Like not funny that he flipped a semi at all. I mean, all you can do is so laugh he sometimes. got like, it, it, it's either that or cry. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he, um, is working for us again, like just to fast forward that whole story. He's healthy, had a really hard time, had a lot of rehabilitation. He's an older gentleman, but he is back working for us and doing, doing well. That same day it rained. It was just this really weird. It was like, God was saying, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's kind of our background. That's kind of a lot. Sorry, Jason, that I dumped all that on you right here in the fourth no, it, it, I, no, at the, you know, I think to get all a, a idea and a perspective of where you're coming from is, is very important to, to kind of lay that groundwork because I mean, here you are, you, I don't know, I, 
I can't put words in your mouth, but you know, you have these plans going forward. You know, you think you're going to be a history teacher. You think, you know, you'll teach for this amount of time and then you'll come home, you'll raise kids. Everything's going to be great. You're going to have a white picket fence. You know, everything's going to be grand. And then, and then life happens. You know, you, the plans go right out the window. You decide to come home and run the books for the, for the operation. And then all these things happen. You know, you build the sow unit, then that sow unit burns to the ground and then you have this drought and all these things. And I mean, that is, that is real life about what's going on, um, on a farm and it's a business. It's a lifestyle unlike any other. Oh, I couldn't agree more. So fast forward a little bit. You have a podcast, Midwest Farmwise podcast. How did that get started? Where did that idea come from? Because it's a very unique and intriguing idea to get something from that perspective started and to do it along with someone else who, until recently, you have not had not met. So, I mean, I, I'm very, I'm very interested to see how that started. Right. Well, I appreciate you asking. The Midwest Farmwives podcast, what a whirlwind of an event that has been to, to go before we started the podcast. When the sow unit burnt down, I'm a millennial. Mm-hmm. I'm an older millennial, but I'm mm-hmm. a millennial. And so social media has been around since I was starting college. It, we, you know, we grew up with it. It was really injected in my time, the time of my life that I was being very social with other people in person connecting with your college classmates, things like that. So mm-hmm. I am already a fan of social media. Mm-hmm. So after that unit burnt down, I also do the book work for our row crop operation. And then also that particular hog entity, we have two. And one thing I miss about teaching is the coworkers that I would communicate with. I am a very much an extrovert. I love communicating. I love talking. And so I came back to work with my mother-in-law, who I have a fantastic relationship with. She's not only my mother-in-law, she is my friend. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so grateful for that because I don't think all daughter-in-laws can say that about their in-laws. No. (laughs) Um, But she, one thing that I missed was that connection. So I started doing a Facebook page for our farm and just sharing kind of what we were doing and just talking about ag that then warped into growing my Instagram account. And I started that about a year ago. Really? Fast forward. Yeah. So my Instagram's been on, like I've been posting since, you know, the early teens, but it's been just like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, picture of me, a picture of Jordan, a picture of worth on the boat. I actually intentionally started posting on Instagram about a year ago. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. (laughs) Well, thanks. So in the spring, Whitney and I connected, I don't know how, like somehow she liked me, I liked her, whatever. So we start talking about, um, our friend Caitlin was doing the Wild Rose Farmer. She had her podcast and I had been listening to it and Whitney just reached out one day and said, or had a a post, I think maybe like a poll, you know, Instagram lingo. If it was a Mm -hmm. poll, would anybody be interested in doing a podcast? And I probably clicked something like, tell me more. And she immediately reached out to me and said, I had you in mind, like, let's chat. And it wasn't two weeks later, we were recording our intro episode. That's how it started. <laughs> From there, it's just kind of blown up, I think. Um, but that's how, that's how the Midwest Farm Wives podcast initiated. And Whitney's from Western Kansas, and I'm from Eastern Missouri. So we really are kind of like 
yeah i mean there's very different yeah there's a lot i mean there's a lot of space in between there that's and i want that's something i want to talk about a little bit is that's the beauty of social media and it gets this and i've talked about this in previous episodes before and it gets this this really kind of bad rap this really ugly connotation with it be and for good reason sometimes don't get me wrong i mean there's some there's some reasonable um reasons that it gets that that kind of bad rap but it can be so beautiful too because like like you said there there would probably be zero chance that you and whitney would ever hook up in any way shape or form just because of geography just because of logistics but since you had a similar experience on social media um you were able to kind of connect over your similarities and kind of bond over that and then look where it took you i mean it's just i think it's just a beautiful thing and i for one know that i was i've been so reluctant to be super active on social media because i'm 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 a millennial too but i'm on the very very top end of it as far as age i think um I mean, I was born in the early 80s, so I I think Facebook came out when I was like a third year, my third year in uh, college. Um, so um, I kind I've kind of got in, I kind of got in on the ground floor of it, but you know, not not to where it was such a big part of my everyday. Um, so I kind of have both sides of it coming at it. Um, but over this past year, especially since I've started this podcast and started blogging, um, I've gotten to see the value in it and being able to connect with people that I would never have a connection with otherwise. And I think that's so cool and um, really speaks to the power of how good social media can be. Yeah, I social media, I, I completely agree with you in the fact that it can be so, so good and it can be so, so bad. And part of that is what you allow yourself to take from social media. So if you're if your personality is the type that is easily offended or, you know, I I don't really know how to explain it, but I think it can be so good. Like everything that we're doing here, you included with your ad, your podcasting, your blogging, myself, Whitney, everything that we're doing to put the good word of ag um, out there is a positive, no matter what anyone else thinks it is. It's always a positive where you get the negatives are, your own mind lets you think, well, what are my neighbors going to think? Well, what, what are those special people who the opinions I care about, what are they going to think? Um, maybe not so much what others think outside of your bubble. Um, I know that's for me at least. Like I always think like if my mother-in-law and father-in-law saw this or my niece and nephew, what would they think of me? Um, and so that was kind of my hesitation with social media is just, I'm very, very thoughtful of, myself my family and our farm when i post right yeah because you do you have a there is a certain obligation you have to you know not so much of you care what other people think but you have a you do have a sort of a legacy and sort of a um i don't i don't want to say reputation but i mean i mean that is a certain to a certain extent a reputation um you're 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 representing your family and you um the people that are special to you so you do have a you do have a certain obligation but always to do it in a shining light well yeah you never want to give ag a bad name so we're that very small percentage in the population of the country 
that is fighting for rural America and we're fighting for the legacy aspect of our business. And, you know, we know that we are doing good things in ag and you don't ever want to shine a bad light on yourself or your ag peers either. Right. Yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of that, <laughs> um, but you can get, away, you can get away from it though. You can, you can just, if you see something negative, if you see something that, and, and it's something can, that can really bite at you, really eat at you too, but you've just got to be able to realize that, you know, as me doing this, as me re- re- responding to something that is negative in a negative way, what's, what's, what's the good that can come of it? And well, what's the bad? And oftentimes the bad always outweighs the good. And if it, in, in my case anyway, so it, you just have to be super care. You just have to be super careful and, and super intentional in, in how you interact with people. Yeah. So being intentional, as far as the podcast went, we directed right off the top, we kind of alienated half of the population, right? It's called the Farm Wives Podcast, Midwest sure. Farm Wives. So mm-hmm. you're not going to get a bunch of men that just click on it because they're curious. So we were two farm wives. Whitney and I have the privilege of actually a lot of farm, a lot of women are 50-50 owners in their business. We are also in our um, ag businesses, respectively, but we also do the book work. And so in our personal community, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of people who work on farm also. With their with their husband and so i like to say that whitney and i both make really really you know we're part of that decision making process and you know we look to our farmers for um our, our men farmers we're farmers too but we look to our farmers for um, information just as they look to us for you know equally important information it may be different as far as book work and versus equipment stuff but we're both definitely a 50 50 in all aspects of the farm. And so we know, and we all have kids. Mm-hmm. We have, I have two kids, Whitney has three kids. And there's this, there's just a loneliness. So we're getting back to mental health and being a farm wife can be really, really lonely, especially a grain farmer in the same breath. Livestock farming is no easier. No, it's just, so it's just different we wanted times to of build the year, that. different times of the years when you're, it's is, all is when, yeah. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, you're fine. So we were just trying to um, build a community that could listen to just real life stories of Whitney and I, things that we thought were important, things that may have been relevant to us five years ago when we started our farm wife journeys. And that we kind of feel like we are, we call ourselves experienced, seasoned farm wives, excuse me, seasoned farm wives. Like we're six, seven years in, we're Mm -hmm. not professional. Like, you know, we're not like our in-laws. We're not to that level yet, but we've been through quite a few seasons of farming. And so we almost want to offer some advice if it would help anyone of things that worked for us with our kids or for meals or for um, any major event in our lives that we had to go through that we felt like maybe we were more alone than we should have been. We hope that the podcast offers to other, um, it started out wives, but it's really women in ag, um, wife or not. We just hope that it could help them. I hate to be like, feel not so alone, but that's really it. Like feel like they are like, oh yeah, that's totally my life too. Well, you were talking before and before we started recording, you talked about, you know, you're, 
you're pretty isolated. You live four miles outside of, I mean, outside of a town, but not even a big town. So, I mean, you being where you live, you're, you know, at least a half an hour from any sort of major population center. So there's just not a whole lot of human interaction that goes down. And then add on that being a mother to small children, there just isn't in your situation and a lot of other people's situation, there, there isn't a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of interaction that can that can come from that. And to be that voice, to be able to talk about the, the things that affect a mother of small children while maintaining and, and operating a farm is such a such a great perspective and can be only good to to the attitudes, good to the self-esteem of women who are like you. And I think that's I think that's a great thing that you all are doing. And um, I know from from being married to a farm wife, it's an unappreciated perspective and and one that I don't think a whole lot of people pay a whole lot of attention to, at least out loud. Yeah, it, you said it way better than I could have ever said it. Like that was the perfect uh, explanation of what kind of why we do what we do. I am so fortunate for my Instagram following and this community of farm wives and farm moms and just ag related women that feel very similarly to Whitney and I and to find them and to post something so silly, like something funny throughout the day and to get feedback it knowing that they're probably going through the same thing and they appreciate what we post or what we share on the podcast. It is, um, it is definitely a social interaction that I value very much. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and I can tell you this, my wife was, a. Um, I'll get just a little bit personal here. My wife was a was a stay at home mom for a lot of years, and you know it can really it can really be something that kind of gets you into some dark places and to get you feeling really really anxious and very very doubtful of yourself and especially especially and this is something I've talked about with other people, um, especially when there are sometimes people you get this kind of guilt, I think, where you feel like you shouldn't feel bad about it. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, that you, 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 you have a, you have what a lot of people would want, but still you feel bad about it. You know, I guess it, I guess it's what they call mom guilt. Oh, oh my gosh. Are we going to go there, Jason? Are you sure you want to walk down? that path with me I, well whatever you want to do but I mean I I just know from personal experience with with some of the stuff that I've dealt yeah. with with my wife that you know that's real and it's a it's a personal battle that you go through with yourself and um I think it's important to know when if someone's struggling with that that they aren't alone Yeah. I think everyone's problems are going to be relative to their own life. So if you're a working mom, you have that guilt of saying, I'm leaving my kids. If you're a stay at home mom, there, there aren't enough hours in the day for you to, you know, stand somewhere by yourself without being touched. There's all of these, it's, it's all relative to your personal situation. But when I had, when we had our first child, Rhett, both of our kids were born in August So August, here comes September, that's field time. That's two solid, you know, eight to 10 weeks Mm -hmm. of early mornings, late nights, very little communication all on the mom in a way. 
So we had our first son. He did not sleep well. I was anxious. He was anxious. And I remember, you know, during harvest that year, sitting at home, I would not ask for help. I don't think I had baby um, depression, postpartum depression, but I definitely had baby blues, like a touch of it for about six months. And I would cry to myself because I kept being so hard on myself because Jordan was working. He was where he needed to be. My mom still works. My mother-in-law was doing all the book work because I couldn't be there because I'd already taken over some of it. So she was taking on my work as well. And here I was at home and I couldn't take care of this three week old baby without just losing my mind. And so I remember feeling so guilty because finally I had to ask for help. And it, at any point in your life, there's always going to be that mom guilt. Like that is a real thing. Mom guilt is absolutely real. And I don't think anybody's life is going to be, that that's not going to be involved in one way, shape or form. And I don't think you understand it until you are a mom. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't. I mean, I mean, I, I know I, I have obviously experienced it secondhand and, but I, I, Mm -hmm. you know, talking to Carrie and some of the things that she's struggling with, you know, whether or not, you know, to go back to work or whether or not to pursue, um, different paths, you know, and then like pulling this, this push and pull of, of being a mom versus being a nurse or, um, now she's into, she's wanting to be a a yoga instructor and a personal trainer, you know, but like getting pulled in all these, these certain, these different ways. And it's just uh, to me, and, and I think it's a part of just what, um, how, how we've been molded is I, I, I totally don't understand that because I know my job, I go to work, I come home to be a dad, and I can compartmentalize a little bit um, of my life. But I don't think, I, I think, I think moms, I think women have such a, such a harder time of that. And, and I, I mean, you, you have my empathy because I couldn't imagine having, having, being pulled in those directions like that. Yeah. I just had some of that exact situation. So I, enjoy doing the book work. I want to continue to do the book work because I think if I didn't understand why we spend money the way that we do and in what fashion and when, if I didn't understand that, have a really good uh, grasp on why we do that, that would bother me as a person. Like I need to have that control for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. of understanding. But I also have started reaching out since my Instagram following has started to grow. I've been doing, um, I jumped in with the Pork Leadership Institute last fall, and that was so hard for me to decide to do it. It was going to require four days, four times a year. So that's a total of 16 days that I would be away from home and I would have to rely on Jordan and other people to take care of my kids. I mean, there are kids, but you know what I mean. Sure. Yeah, no, I do. That was one of those things. It took me three weeks. I had to, I applied on the very last day of registration because I kept guilting myself out of doing it and it's unpaid, but I get to travel to DC. I went to Columbia, the country. I get all of these experiences and I'm helping the industry that we work in and work for every single day. And so to do that though, I had such an internal battle with myself, making myself feel like I you know, didn't even deserve it. My husband's all the time saying, you can do it. It's fine. Go ahead and do it. But to make that shift in my mind to say, okay, like I can organize my life around these dates. 
like we'll make it work. And I'm so glad that I took a risk on myself and did it. And I totally get what your wife is going through with the nursing thing. Like your, your job is to take care of your kids. You want to take care of your kids, but in the same breath, that doesn't mean that your goals and your aspirations should go on the back burner. Yeah. And to, to hear you talk about this, this, this pork Congress thing makes me think of, um, a, this is something Carrie and I went through. So I'm getting next week, um, we're recording this the, the end of January next week, I'm heading to, uh, NCBA in San Antonio. And it's something that my wife and always, my wife and I always do together. We've went for the last four or five years. We just, it's just something we kind of mark in the calendar. We, we make, you know, we make plans, we make arrangements, but last year something came up. She's been wanting to do this, this, this yoga instructor thing for the last few years now. And she put it aside last year because she felt an obligation to go to this NCBA trade show and convention with me but it guess what it came up at the exact same time this year and uh we'd already booked plane tickets we'd already booked hotels and you know we had this you know kind of sit down heart to heart thing like you know what do you really want to do do you really want to get this you know do you really want to go forward with this with this yoga instructor thing or do you want to put it on the back burner and she's she i'm so proud of her because she made a decision for herself instead of not putting her needs first she 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 put said no i want to get this done so you're going to go without me, which it turns out really well because our oldest is going, he's going to be, he's 14, a freshman in high school, and he's been wanting to go with me since we've been going. So, I mean, it's turned out for the, it's turned out for the best, but I just, I was so proud of her because she was able to put all of, you know, the things that weren't her primary interests aside and, and, and focus on something that she wanted to do. Yeah, all that noise. That's how I like to call it, the noise. The yeah. stuff that's just around you that you can't really push through. And that conversation is hard. You said exactly what my husband said. What do you want to do? And I'm sitting here like I'm being pulled in 10 different directions. Like how do you break through and say what you want to do? So I relate 100% when your wife listens to this, like good for you, girl. <laughs> and she's she's been so good over the last couple of years at pushing through that noise and, and being really intentional with the things that serve her best interest and, and trying to get rid of that mom guilt. I don't think that ever goes away, but she's been so good these last couple of years. I'm so proud of her. And to, to be honest with you, she, she's the reason I'm, I'm doing the things I'm doing because she, I saw her getting better and her trying to do something and making herself more. And I felt like I kind of needed to keep up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you know, this is awesome to be able to grow together like this. Yes. It has a domino effect that, mm -hmm. that doing stuff for yourself. It, it, I completely agree with you. I feel like we might as well just say, I agree with everything you say. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> but good. My husband, my husband's the same way. I just feel like since I've kind of taken this leap, he's really stepped up to um, help me make it to make it easier on me. So I don't feel guilty, which I'm so grateful for. In the same breath, we're continually growing as a farm. And my husband is like the most entrepreneurial spirit I've ever met in my entire life. And I'm like, pump the brakes, brother. Like, it, but in the same breath, we're growing and we're diversifying and we're doing all of that alongside of 
my social media podcasting growth and, and it, the benefit to both of our situations is we're working toward a very similar goal. We're both, we both still want to grow our farm. We both still want to be involved in ag. We're just kind of walking down a parallel path. And that's awesome. I mean, that's great because, you know, you can, you can kind of go and do your own thing and, um, you know, there's no, there's no rule that says you have to, as a married, as a married couple, as a married farm couple, you have to spend every waking hour together and, you know, one person has to serve the other and everything like that. There's no rule that says that, thankfully, but uh, unfortunately, I think a lot, I think, I don't want to say a lot of people, but there's a, there is, there's a lot of people who live by that kind of mantra. And, you know, if that was what makes you happy, that's great. If that, you know, that's, that's how my folks lived, but there, there, there can be some, there can be a different way and still have a happy marriage. You can be your, you can be your own people. Yep. And that's the, the shift in this is generational shift, I think of farming and farm relationships. And as it used to be the, in theory, again, I'm not speaking for everyone. I always say you can't please everyone. What I'm going to say will not apply to someone, but the older generation has that men works on the farm. The wife may or may not do the book work. And she kind of takes that very important backseat role, very important still, like that it, the role that the older farm wife taking care of the kids, making hot meals, doing the book work, maybe, maybe not. That is still, oh my gosh, just being a mother and being a wife is such a huge job, especially to a farmer. But then this is shifting with the generation. And I think that the women in ag, the farm wives, the farm moms um, are still are playing a different role, a similar but different role. And speaking for myself, I love to share our farm. Like I might as well just be a marketer for our own farm, even though we actually don't sell a direct to consumer product. So I'm just marketing for ag in general, really. Mm-hmm. It's just shifting. It's just changing. Well, that's I mean, that's super important too, though, to to paint it in in a light where it is desirable and and people, you know, even though they may not buy buy your product directly, you know, I think some people get this idea that a pig farm is is, is dirty, is nasty, is is not. Mm-hmm. is not desirable not a fun way to live and and don't get me wrong i know it's hard work i mean i've never i i i've had i've had two pigs in my life and i'll never have another one just but that's that's a personal decision but um but i love bacon so um i i i i, I appreciate what what every uh pig farmer does but i think that i think when when you do it and you do such a good job you do such a a great job of painting it in such a a wonderful light that it it gives it gives the rest of the industry just a um just a little bit better image and and i think that's i think that's a great thing that you're doing there i appreciate that i I love even hearing from other farmers saying i didn't know that you did that on a pig farm you know i'm not day-to-day in the barns but when i do go in the barns i try to show the very real side of it our Barns aren't, I mean, barns aren't as dirty as I think people think they are. It's that bad overrides the good. And so you get one video, you get one picture, you get those really loud, noisy animal activist rights group that talk louder than anybody else saying good things can. Um, And that's what people remember. And so I do really like sharing about the pork industry, even though it is a big headache some days. 
um, yeah. just like any any yeah. livestock community. Sure. Yeah, sure. It is it is an added benefit to our farm, and we have done it for many years and have no intention, knock on wood, of getting out of it anytime soon. Well, that's good because, you know, I don't. You're the you're the first pig farmer I've talked to on this podcast. I'm twenty. 20 episodes, 20 some episodes deep, and I've yet to talk to another hog farmer. So, um, I, I oh, they know that. First. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, me too. Um, and I'm glad to know that there are still independent hog farmers out there because, um, I don't think in my area, at least they're just, they're few and far between, but it's, it's a super important part of the industry because, you know, it, 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 it's, it's something that a lot of people used to do, but it just seems like it's kind of uh, going away. But to see that you guys, a, f- a family operation is doing that and kind of fighting a little bit against vertical integration is, is, a, is a really, really important thing and gives other people hope. Yeah, we are, we're independent on our 1200 fair to finish. And then on our 5,600, it's actually a 5,000. Now we did rebuild. We've been back in operation since August. I'm so happy about that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It took, it was a long time coming. It was a long year and a half wait, but we're back up and running and we own those hogs, but they are contracted through um, a company out of Iowa. But I agree with you. And I think the important thing to think of, whether you are a contract finisher, a contract grower or an independent person, the person taking care of those facilities is always going to be a human. It's going to be your neighbor. It's going to be a family man or woman. The people who own those barns and actually care for those hogs, no matter how they get paid, is a family. And right. that's what. Right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's all. That's, I'm just saying that is like the important part. Like, yeah, okay you're raising pigs for a contract finisher or something. And it's easy to put that like blinders on and say, okay, well, this is a big, big corporation. And and yeah, they may have, you know, 500,000 sows and they may finish out most of them. And and that is a huge operation. Oh my goodness. I couldn't financially imagine that operation, but the people raising those pigs for that company, they are just normal human beings that you would interact with every day. Like they're people that you'd be friends with. Right. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, there are still, no matter if it's, if it's a family owned and operated thing, or, you know, it's some big conglomerate, the people, there are still going to be people whose lives and their families' lives depend on that work. And you, I mean, that you will never be able to take it, take it away from that. No, I agree. It is, it is something you're always going to have to have these rural America farms to raise livestock. It's just, how is it going to be? And we are proud independent producers. It is hard in the markets. I'm not going to lie. It's not, it's not just a walk in the park right now. Um, we hope that that will upturn with USMCA and the phase one China deal and just hopefully get through this election. And we're hoping that that trends upward. But um, with that being said, it's still, I'm, I'm a proud independent producer. Yes. Yeah, you guys as independent hog producers have a m- much harder road than than we do as independent cattle producers. It's a, you know, you guys have a lot more red tape, a lot more, um, a lot more of the big dogs coming and taking taking bites out. Um, so I I commend you for being able to to stay independent. I cannot take credit for that. That is absolutely my in laws. So I'm going to give them a shout out and some credit because they are amazing people. 
Well, that's great. I mean, because it takes, it takes people like that and that's awesome. So let me, let me ask you. Yes, absolutely. Uh Let me ask you what, where's, where's the Midwest farm wives podcast heading? What's in store for that? What an interesting question. We don't actually have, we still kind of fly by the seat of our pants for a lack of a better term. Whitney is actually visiting us uh, over here in Missouri. Whitney and her family are coming over. So we're that good of friends. Like I would consider her one of my best friends and we've met once in real life other than this podcast and social media. And so as far as the podcast goes, um, we don't have any intention of stopping anytime soon, but I don't know, reach more people. We always encourage people outside of ag to listen. Um, I know that my friends that have listened comment often about how they didn't understand how I lived. So if you're just a friend of a farmer, it may be worth a listen, especially if you're a friend of a farm wife, but also men. um, I think men can take a lot from it if they give it a chance as well. So I don't really know. There's not really a good definitive answer of where it's going, but I know we're still, still recording and have no intentions of shutting off that valve anytime soon. Well, it's good. It's a, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And I I like what you said about people outside of ag being able to listen to your podcasts and maybe get a little bit better idea of the life that you live. And I get, I get a lot of people telling me about that because I mean, I live rural, I live around, but there's not a whole lot um, there's not, I mean, I shouldn't say there's a whole lot. There's a several people who are not directly involved in ag who, I mean, they live by it their entire lives, but still have no idea of the day to day that goes on. And I think sometimes as producers ourselves, we kind of take that for granted and we don't really even realize how, what our life is like compared to other lives. We just kind of go through the motions and do, and we don't really think about that. And to get people there to ask those questions is, is important on two levels and it's important for them to understand what the life is like but it's also important for us though we don't take it for granted i yeah we often get so absorbed in our own problems and think that they're the most important problems and that goes for any individual we just do that as that's our human nature and so we have to remember that other people don't understand things that we would talk about because they're not they're not experts in it. We're experts in our own fields. We're experts in farming. Well, you know, experts is a relative term, but that's what we do every day. Sure. And so if you're an expert in being a teacher, well, you know a lot more about that than I do because I'm five years out and haven't looked at textbooks for, for that long. It's just one of those things. And so we have to remember to not assume that people understand the way we do things and why we do it. And if we're trying to paint that better picture of agriculture and pig farming and cattle farming, then we have to really break it down to that level of, hey, you're my neighbor. You've been around farming. This is why we do what we do. And, and, and almost convince them or at least offer them the opportunity to learn and form their own opinion um, based on fact, not fiction. Right. Yep. You give people the most accurate, the best best story that you that 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 you can you can depict and let them decide for themselves that's that i think that's a i think that's a big key in reaching consumers the best way we can and people outside the industry is to give them all the right information for them to form a solid opinion or a solid um uh, i guess opinion is probably the only word to use there for themselves 
Well, Kylie, I really appreciate your time here tonight. I, we're, I know we're, we're, we went a little bit longer than I thought we were going to, but that's okay because we had some really cool conversation. But I want to give you an opportunity to let folks know where they can find you online and where they can find the podcast. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, on Instagram, you can find me and my our farm and my family at the Grateful Farm Wife. My co-host, I'll give her a little plug too. She is the farm wife, excuse me, at farm wife guru. You can find another Instagram for the podcast at Midwest farm wives. And then you can search Midwest farm wives podcast on any podcast streaming app. I think we're on them all. Awesome. That's cool. Wow. It was really cool to have you. Um, I've been looking forward to talking to you for some time. I've been following you on Instagram for a little while. So it's really cool to be able to, to actually have a, have a real conversation with you. Well, I really appreciate it too, Jason. Thank you so much. And I hope you all have a, a great rest of the winter. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're only like, uh, we're only like uh, 40 some days until spring, but who's counting, right? <laughs> Yep. I keep saying 60 days till planting and it gets shorter every day. Yeah. I like, I feel like, well, every time I unroll a bale of hay, I'm like, that's just one more bale next, you know, one more, more, more one more bale closer to the last one. <laughs> Great. I appreciate it, Jason. Thanks. Yes, ma'am. Next week on the show, we have Macy Hurst. Macy is a very active advocate for the beef industry. She is another fellow Missourian. Um, I got to, I reached out over Instagram actually and talked to Macy after hearing her on the NCBA's Cattlemen's Call podcast. Um, she was on there with a few other girls and uh, really struck a chord with me kind of talking about how more men need to be active as advocates and ambassadors for not just the beef industry, but in agriculture in general, and really kind of kind of lit my fire a little bit in trying to be more active as an actual, not just mental health advocate in ag, but just a overall advocate of the ag industry. So I'm really, really excited to talk to Macy. Macy and I actually share some history together. We didn't know each other, but uh, we spent a lot of time at the same sale barn growing up. Um, our family worked around it and mine owned it for a long time and uh, we never <laughs> we never ran into one another there oddly enough but uh, just really cool to know that we kind of share that history together so uh, until next week I'm your host Jason Meadows and this was the Ag State of Mind podcast thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind we hope this episode has encouraged you be sure to follow us on Twitter Facebook and Instagram at Ag State of Mind and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.